Chapter 14 of Hero Tales from History. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to find out how you can volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Hero Tales from History by Smith Burnham. Chapter 14 Napoleon, the Corsican Boy Who Ruled Europe. Though Napoleon Bonaparte was the greatest soldier of his time, he was small in body. His fullest height was a little above five feet. The story of his strange career shows how a poor, puny little lad made himself emperor of France and master of Europe, so that kings, generals, and prime ministers bowed like so many servants to his imperial will. He began while he wore petticoats to wish to be a soldier. He threw away his baby rattle for a brass cannon, and his first playthings were little iron soldiers. When he was old enough to play with other boys, he always chose to be a soldier, and, small as he was, he was the one who told the bigger boys just what to do. Even then, if his mother gave him a piece of cake, he would go out to the edge of the little town and trade it to an old soldier for some coarse black army bread. As he grew older, the soldier longing became his ambition. His health was never very good. He was often nervous, willful, and hard to manage. But he had a keen sense of honor and always despised a coward. Napoleon's home was the rugged island of Corsica. While he was still a little boy, he found between some rocks near the shore a cave which he claimed for his own. This is still pointed out to thousands who come to visit the boy's birthplace as Napoleon's grotto. At that time, there was a feud between the boys of the town and the shepherd lads on the hills around. Napoleon told the other town boys that if they would do as he said, he would make those big country boys stop throwing stones at them whenever they met. The town lads agreed to this, so Napoleon told them to gather stones and piled them in a row a little distance below the fortress, which the shepherds had chosen behind some rocks on top of their hill. The pale Bonaparte boy led his young army up till the country youths fired a valley of stones at them. Then he turned and ran down the hill followed by his company. The enemy came out and gave chase, pell-mell. This was just what Napoleon expected. When the little leader got down to the piles of stones, he shouted, Halt! His soldiers obeyed. Stones! Each boy gathered up as many as he could carry. About face. Fire. Before the astonished shepherds could stop, they were met by a shower of rocks. The big fellows broke and scattered in all directions, and two of them were taken prisoner. Captain Bonaparte would not let them go till the other country boys pledged themselves not to touch his men again. Thus, eight-year-old Napoleon became the leader of the boys in his hometown. Before he was ten, he was sent to a military school in France, where sons of noblemen were educated. Some of those French boys were wayward, mean, and savagely cruel. They made fun of the shy country lad for his rough Corsican ways and speech, and because he was small and sallow. 
Napoleon had entered this school on a half scholarship, and so they sneered at him as the charity boy. He could not speak French at first, and pronounced his name so that it sounded like the French words for nose of straw. As Napoleon's nose was long, straight, and thin, they laughed and shouted his nickname, Mr. Straw Nose. All this made the proud, sensitive lad speechless with rage. He kept himself away from the rest. A garden plot was assigned for each cadet to tend. If you of the others were too idle to take care of theirs so they gave them to napoleon and he kept them in order as his own in the centre of this little kingdom he built an arbour where he could stay alone to study his plan as he had done in his little cave in corsica and woe to those who entered there without his permission he had suffered this sort of life nearly four years before his father and mother managed to visit their boy who was almost a prisoner in military school napoleon worded the shock the visit gave his mother when she came to see me at the brienne she was frightened at my thickness i was indeed much changed because i employed the hours of recreation in working and often passed the nights in thinking about the day's lessons my nature could not bear the idea of not being the first in my class after finishing at this academy, Napoleon went to the military college at Paris. Father Bonaparte's death about this time left the family poorer than ever. Sometimes Napoleon did not have enough to eat, but that did not prevent him from studying hard. His great ambition kept him from starving. Sometime after his graduation, he was assigned to a small command in Paris. Red revolutionists were trying to destroy the city. Young Napoleon thought it high time to stop them. A mob gathered in a public square, threatening to kill people and burn their houses. He opened fire on the mob and cleared that square in a short order. It was said afterward, Bonaparte stopped the French Revolution with a whiff of his grape-shot. From being the man of the hour, Napoleon went on until he became the man of destiny. He was raised to the highest rank, and as General Bonaparte became commander-in-chief of the French army in Italy, where he gained brilliant victories over the Austrians, but the Austrians would not stay beaten, and while Napoleon was away in Egypt, Austria started in to win back its control of northern Italy. When Napoleon returned to Paris, he was the idol of the people. They elected him consul a kind of president of the french republic the austrians were pleased at this as it would keep the little corporal as the soldiers called napoleon in paris he would have to send another commander to italy and the austrians had gotten such a start that they could win the victory before the french forces could go around the alps austria was already crowing over its triumph, and all Europe was laughing because General Bonaparte had been caught napping. When one May morning, Council Napoleon and a great army came tobgaining down the mountainsides into the plains of Italy, as if they had fallen from the sky. In a letter to his older brother, Napoleon wrote of this, 
we've dropped here like a thunderbolt, and the enemy didn't expect it and hardly believe it yet. He had made his soldiers climb up the Alps mountain in the highest, steepest place, dragging heavy cannon army supplies after them. By his wonderful feat of crossing the Alps, Napoleon won by surprise a victory at Marengo, just as he had beaten the shepherd lads when he was a boy of eight. The people now made their hero consul for life. After that, it was easy for him to make himself emperor of the French. At his coronation, Napoleon snatched the crown out of the hands of the Pope and placed it on his own head, to show that he was emperor by the right of his own might. Yet Emperor Napoleon kept on leading his armies in person. He still had to fight with other nations to hold his place as master of Europe. He gained even more brilliant victories as Emperor Napoleon than he had won as General Bonaparte. Not content with his record as a great conqueror, he gave the French people the Code Napoleon, a set of laws which proved him to be also wise a statesman and lawgiver. The kings and nobles of Europe always hated Napoleon. They said he was vulgar, and called him the Corsican upstart. But the French people loved him as one of themselves. No general or emperor ever had more devoted followers than Napoleon Bonaparte. Millions of men gave their lives willingly to fight his battles. He waged war after war till there were but few fighting men left in France. Then the people began to think that Napoleon loved them because they could not help him win victories to give him more power and fulfill his high ambition. They began to say among themselves, He's sacrificing us for his own glory. While at the height of his power, Napoleon exclaimed, What are a million lives to a man like me? When the people lost their faith in him, Napoleon began to lose instead of his win his battles. Generals and nobles stopped flattering him and began to fight him. His own brothers and sisters, whom he had made kings and queens, deserted him. Even his wife forsook him, taking with her his only son, the idol of his heart. Napoleon's last battle was at Waterloo, in Belgium. Because this loss brought him ruin to him, the name of the place became a kind of proverb. When overwhelming defeat comes to a great man, people say, he has met his Waterloo. The conquered conqueror was taken prisoner and sent thousands of miles away as a captive to the bleak island of St. Helena. He made the best of his hard lot as the fortunes of war. But the years of loneliness endured by this friendless conqueror while his life had been selfish and merciless, and suggested by a well-known picture, which shows Napoleon on the shore of that far-off rock in the southern sea, standing with hands clasped behind him, looking off across the ocean to where France lay. End of chapter 14 Read by Elijah Fisher